welcome to Called, a podcast where we explore the intersection of ministry and the rest of our lives as church workers. I'm Sarah Bariza. Join us on the first and third Tuesdays as we talk about cutting out the BS and embracing the good. Between the two of us, we have ministered in churches for over 50 years, and we haven't burnt out yet. I am Bill Smoots. I am a Presbyterian pastor, so most of my service has been in Presbyterian congregations, though the last few years I've been serving as an interim transitional pastor in United Church of Christ congregations. Large churches, small churches, in-between churches, if they pay, <laughs> I've, I've been there. <laughs> Meanwhile, if they hire organists, I've been there. <laughs> I'm a church musician, and I've worked in a lot of different denominations, currently working in a United Church of Christ congregation. Today we are talking about something that seems really, really mundane and yet is so crucial to the life of those who work in the churches, and that's how to do good meetings, Mm -hmm. fruitful meetings, faithful meetings, meetings that you don't want to stick a pencil in your eye because you're so (laughs) bored in the middle of it, Um, meetings that help churches move towards that future where God is calling them. And these meetings could be committee meetings, council meetings, uh, staff meetings, uh, yes. where you got a group of people with one person who's, at least on paper, the leader, and um, moving yeah. forward with some sort of, we got to get something done. So and not a coffee all those day, other, but, you know, yeah. task force meetings, those, those groups that come together just for something, some special purpose, any, any kind of meeting in a church. I think there's, mm-hmm. I, I hope that there will be some useful Things. But not a meeting as in, here's our worship service, a meeting. <laughs> no, no, no. That, that's, <laughs> not a meeting house meeting. <laughs> that's a different kind of meeting. Yes. So we're going to talk about three main areas today. We're going to talk about the purpose of meetings, and we're going to talk about organization of meetings, and we're going to talk about energy, because that's, that's really important, um, especially if you don't want to put a pencil in your eye. <laughs> <laughs> well, it does take some energy to put a pencil in your yeah, eye, right. but... <laughs> So so let's uh let's start out by talking about um purpose and why purpose isn't as obvious as you think it would be because I think in some ways that seems like a kind of dumb place to start. Well, don't we know the purpose? We're having a staff meeting. We're supposed to talk about our staff stuff or we're having com- a committee meeting. This is the worship committee. We're going to talk about worship stuff. And so you would think that you know what the purpose is, but I don't think that that's really a self-evident kind of thing. I I, I agree with you. I I I think we often equate purpose with tasks to be accomplished. So so we need to plan a worship service or or we need to kind of plan our educational mm-hmm. focus like for the agenda. next year. Yeah. That that's and and so that we think of that as our purpose of the meeting. And and I think we really have to take a step back and start in a church, hopefully with what's the mission mission and vision that is driving this particular vision. Like yeah. Uh, I've created a new word today. Ooh. What is the mission and vision that's driving this particular congregation? Where does the the leadership board or or the congregation as a whole believe that the Holy Spirit is calling them and how have they tried to capture that sense of call in writing? Uh, what are those statements? Hopefully pithy, hopefully not too long that that focus on what's this church trying to be about? And and then you can kind of take the next step to, okay, if our committee is in charge of Let's pick on worship and education because we've we've been talking about that this morning. Um, then then how do we understand our work as the worship and education committee based on the mission and vision 
of the congregation. And, and I think if we can start with that larger purpose, then hopefully the, the, the reason for the meeting and the scope of topics for the meeting or areas to be covered, um, become much clearer. And that's different than just, here's the programs we're trying to, to, to figure out or, or to fit some kind of curricula into. Um, when, when we enter into uh, a meeting and have some, have that larger sense, I think it makes, it makes the meeting, yeah, it's just going to be a better meeting. We, we know where we're going or, or what our ultimate goal could be, should be. And even if you know where you're going, that doesn't mean you can't take a little side trip off into whatever that little detail is that you really do have to figure out. It's not like just, just because you know where your ultimate goal is doesn't mean that you can't uh, deal with the minutia that sometimes has to be done. Correct. Correct. I mean, you should never see things as set in concrete. If, 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 if we're going to take the Holy Spirit seriously, we, we've got to believe that in the midst of a particular meeting, even if we've got great purpose from the mission and vision of the church, um, the Spirit may carry the body, that collective group, in a particular direction or, or an unexpected direction uh, at that meeting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, one thing that we, Bill and I have different feelings on, um, but I, I think we're both actually aiming in the same direction, is um, if we're thinking about purpose, we're also thinking about social connection and whether the purpose of meetings is for social connection. Um, and so I kind of want Bill to start first because I have I have a di- slightly different viewpoint, but I, I, I think ultimately we're actually on the same okay. page here. Okay. I, I think that meetings that become social time are a waste of time. Uh, and that doesn't mean that you shouldn't connect with one another as you're, you're getting into your meeting. But, but if, if, if the committee meetings of a church, um, whatever they're called, committee ta- teams, what, if the meetings of a church are just an opportunity for people who don't get to see each other very often to get together and check in on each other's lives or to get together and That's gossip. What coffee, coffee hours for it. Right, right. It, 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 then, then I think the church has lost a great deal. And that doesn't mean there shouldn't be personal connections that you shouldn't, hey, how's so and so or, or what's going on in your life. But if that, is is if that's really the true interest in people gathering if they ignore you know what they're there to do just so they can talk to each other um it one you don't get much done two the the meeting the committee becomes kind of clickish there isn't a whole lot of room for new people to come yeah, in and and be embraced in the purpose that that they're attempting to uh achieve so, but you go you go where you want to go, so Sarah, because I, I know you have a good. Well, I'm I'm thinking of two different things here. One, I'm thinking about staff meetings and how they're a great social point. So let's let's come back to staff meetings. But um, thinking about committee meetings, um, I'm thinking of one particular congregation where I worked, and we don't really get into too many details on the congregations where we worked because you know each congregation's business is their business. But basically, it was an extremely dysfunctional church, and the committee was just uh, one dysfunctional element amongst a very dysfunctional system. And um, I was, you know, a 10-hour-a-week organist. And I was like, well, what can I do in the six months or so that I'm going to be here um, to help help this place? And I um, very deliberately moved them in the direction of social connection because there wasn't social connection. Like, they couldn't even have a conversation in a committee because they couldn't even have a, oh, so how's it, how, how's it going? How are your kids doing? They couldn't even have that basic social, you know, 
blandest, the kind of conversation you'd have with your dental hygienist. They couldn't even have that conversation. (laughs) And so I was like, well, you can't, how can you possibly talk about, you know, where are we going as a church if you can't just say, hey, how are you? So that, I did that's, think, that's fair. You know, I, so I'll give I, um, you that. Yes. Well, the first thing I did is I got them all to come over di- to dinner at my house. I was like, I will make you fried chicken. Um, come and eat at my I'll, house. I'll go almost anywhere and, for and fried was, chicken. And it was great. And I was amazed at how suddenly people were very vulnerable in my little apartment living room in a way that they weren't in the fluorescently lit uh, little place where we were. And so then the second thing I did was um, get this group to meet not at the church, but it was a, a neighborhood church. So we met at a cafe that was very nearby an hour early. And it was a place where you could drink, you could get a meal, you could get coffee, you could get tea. So it wasn't it, like it, it was a place where you could have alcoholic drinks, but it wasn't a bar. So it was a very nice, you could spend $2 and get a cup of tea. It wasn't a. So wine helps thing. a meeting. Is that what you're saying? Yes. <laughs> so, but, but, but we purposely also met an hour early. So right. people could come, people could not come. And so there wasn't pressure, but most people showed up that hour early, and we ended up having dinner together nice. <laughs> or drinks together, nice. and then went into our committee meetings. And yeah, our committee meetings were a little bit louder because some people had a drink or two, but it did such a wonder for the social, um, like just the baseline ability of people to talk to each other because like that that act of being in community with each other made them in community with each other. And no, it did not fix all the dysfunction in the church. Um, the problems are ongoing. But in that little little microcosm of the church, that kind of like stepping back and saying, we've got to have the social connection first and foremost before we can even get into the committee. I think that that was like a... Most committees would not need that kind of thing, we hope, but maybe maybe some meetings really do need that. Well, and, and I think you're, you're really pointing to, to a, a reality that's critical for a church to function as a faith community. Mm-hmm. There has to be some knowledge of each other and some yeah, concern for each other. And I think where, where, I, where I get frustrated is when committee meetings are the only place that happens. Yeah. And, yeah. and so the, all the things you're describing need to be part of the life of the church. Mm-hmm. And if, if we want our committee or team meetings to be fruitful, faithful, useful, then we need that foundation mm-hmm. to build upon. Yeah. And yeah. Um, if it doesn't exist... And ideally, it shouldn't really be the committee meeting. No, but, it, it shouldn't be. Yeah. But but I understand why you started where you did, and that mm-hmm. makes a lot of sense. Yeah, yeah. And, 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 and perhaps part of... Well, I know what we're... Part of what we're saying about a committee meeting is... There's a lot of stuff that has to happen before a group of people ever comes together yeah. in a room uh-huh. to make a meeting meaningful yeah. and useful yeah. to to that particular group and to the congregation as a whole. So let's think about staff meetings because I have like kind of two opposing things going on when we're talking about like social connection and the purpose of a meeting. One, I've been in staff meetings where, you know, I'm not just, you know, to make it evident, I'm not a head of staff, I'm not the pastor, so I'm, I've never been the person leading a staff meeting. Um, although I would have done a better job than a lot of people that I've worked for, <laughs> just to put that out because <laughs> I, I'm, I'm a slightly organized person. What? Um, but I've been in, I've been in staff meetings. <laughs> Bill's going, laughing I'm at going me over to be here. Silent uh, right now and listen. <laughs> Bill leads staff meetings really well. Uh, <laughs> so, so on one hand. I'm thinking of staff meetings where I have just thought, couldn't we just cut this meeting in half and then go have our chatty coffee time? Like, I would love to hang out and have a good time with you guys, but not in our staff meeting, right? So, So I've been in meetings like that. 
And now in this in the staff meetings we have, um, Bill and I both work in the same church. In the staff meetings that we currently have here, uh, we have lunch together for about a half an hour afterwards. And then throughout the following staff meeting, which lasts an hour and a half to two hours or so, depending on what we have going on, um, throughout that meeting, there is that freedom to be sociable in it. We, we've had a social time, but we're also still, you know, something might come up, we might tell a personal story. It's not that we can't be chatty in the staff meeting. And I'm not quite sure what the difference is. I don't know why for me as the person who's not in charge of leading the staff meeting, setting the agenda, that kind of thing, I don't actually know why I felt so differently about this social element in a staff meeting. Maybe some of it is just um, general goodwill amongst staff members. And if you have more general, we get along together, it's just easier to, you know, you want to be chatty with people if you're getting along. But I'm not really sure, like why, why that is. I, I think there's a number of dynamics at play here. You know, we're 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 four people uh, in a we're meeting. We're not ten. We're and, not fifteen. Yeah, yeah we're not yeah. we're not a huge number. We're not two. Yeah, because if two, well, we see each other all day, every day, right, anyway. Right. Right. And I think we share some deep interest in the well-being of this congregation. And, and it Which shows. hopefully should be the case. Well, in staff it hopefully team. should be the case in any any staff meeting. But I've sat on staff. Oh yeah, yeah and, me, me and, too. Uh, really where matter. where you know not everybody's on board, or it it is just a just a job for them, and mm-hmm. and they're not going to give much of themselves. Yeah, and and um, and, and so that affects the the tenor of the whole staff and the tenor of the whole meeting. So it's a part of it is the attitude that we bring to the table. Part of it is. That that we get along, that we we like each other as people, and and have learned to trust each other as colleagues, and and I think that makes a difference in in staff meeting here. But it's important that we bring some energy to the table. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, let's we, talk about energy now. We because yeah. we we don't come and say, oh, what are we going to do now? We 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 come with some purpose. Uh, we we bring. I think we try and bring our A game to the table. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And and the ener- that energy is important. We feed off of each other when when. We're were energetic. If I, as the the leader of the staff team, came in and was grumbling and upset about something or sleepy or whatever, you all are going to pick up on that mm-hmm. and yeah. and, and yeah. reflect that at some level. And, and so I think it's important for me to come in. I be genuine. I I don't say mm-hmm. come in and be fake. Hey, how's everybody doing? Um, but to come in and, and be interested and and be oh, glad curiosity. for the time together. Curiosity. I yeah. love that. Say yeah. more. Yeah. Well, I I think that if you're genuinely interested in what other people have to say, it does perk you up. Like it it wakes you up. It um, engages you, even if it's not your best day of the week, even if you're tired. Um, I'm recording this uh, after the night of having a child be sick all night. Uh, I'm really tired right now, but I'm also really curious about this topic and I'm, I'm genuinely interested in what's going on. And I think I'm, I'm often the, in the place in church meetings um, outside of the musical sphere. Obviously, I lead the musical meetings, but I'm often in a place, say, on a committee meeting where I'm a participant and I'm not a leader. So I'm not the one necessarily setting the tone, but I, as a participant, by using curiosity and a lot of body language, I can affect the mood in a room in a really positive way. And I do this really intentionally because, you know, this isn't a reflection of where we are. This is just a reflection of committee meetings in general. You often have just a variety of personalities on committee meetings and they don't necessarily gel all the time. And that's just how life is. That's how people are. And by, like for me, I very deliberately use my body language and my attention to focus in on people when they're talking and nod my head and smile at them and just engage like an empathetic person 
And, you know, that makes a big difference in the energy of a meeting. Because if you're saying, you know, if you're a committee member saying, well, I think blah, blah, and like, everybody's like looking at their phones, like, well, that doesn't feel good. The energy goes down. Um, You feel like an idiot. Um, You know, maybe you are, but you know, hopefully not. And, you know, and so by being that, that, um, that fellow participant in the meeting, by bringing that kind of energy, by just bringing that curiosity to the meeting, um, you know, it does wonders for the, for the energy in a space. And as those who serve a church, we're rarely going to be in charge of the meeting yeah. we're sitting in. Uh-huh. Usually yeah. there's a, a volunteer member of mm-hmm. the church. Yeah. Maybe yeah. it's an, uh, another member of the staff team, but we're rarely the one in charge of the meeting. And so we have to bring that uh, energy, bring that yeah. energy and, and know how to be in a meeting in a way that is genuine, uh, but productive and faithful and mm-hmm. energetic. Mm-hmm. And I think that like the That's curiosity just, really is a huge part is. of that because- it it gets at you in a place where you can be very genuine, even if you are tired, even if you are sick, even if you're just really tired of this committee or whatever it is, you can still be curious about people. That's and right. I think for many of us in church work, one of the reasons we're ministering in a church setting is that we do like people. Just at that basic level, we just like people. Um, even if we're not particularly extroverted, we just want to be around people and are curious about how people think. And it's it's interesting as I think about the meetings that I've been to and I come home jazzed, that I come home energized. The the meeting mm-hmm. has been life giving in some ways, versus those meetings I've been to that I come home and I just you know, why did I waste my time that way? And and that energy is critical. And and it's the energy I bring. Uh, but if I bring good energy I generally receive it back at some level. Mm-hmm. Whereas if I don't bring good energy, I'm not going to I'm I'm usually somebody's not going to pick pick things up for me. Yeah. I've got to be yeah. Yeah. Responsible and I think that, that some of us, I think that's related to us being um, the staff person there because we're, we're usually the ones who have to think about that anyway. Because I think a lot of times volunteers, especially in a committee meeting setting, they're not really thinking about that. They're just like, oh, you know, I went to work, I went, got some dinner, I came to a meeting. And that, that's not a bad thing about any particular committee meeting at all. I think that's just, they're not thinking about it in the same way that a staff person would. And I think you're hinting also at uh, the importance of us as staff members being pastorally present uh, in that meeting because our our members are going to come in from wherever they have spent their day with all sorts of challenges, upsets, Mm -hmm. excitement, and we need to be sensitive to that and receptive to that um, with without you know we can't take on all their their negative emotional energy but but if we can say oh you look like you've had a rough day or or you know tell me tell me what's going on yeah. I I think that can go a long way as well mm-hmm. and 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 that takes energy on our part and it intentionality yeah. on our yeah. part. Let's wrap up by talking about organization. Okay. Yeah. Um, and we've just pointed out a lot of times um, on the staff person side of these meetings, we're not the ones setting the agenda for a meeting. Um, that's different for a staff meeting, but for, say, a committee meeting or, um, you know, if you're doing something with your association or parish, parish council or something, you aren't necessarily the one setting the agenda. So we want to be organized, and yet we can't always be organized. And um, I kind of want to start this off by um, noting that if I – if I know someone who's going to be in a committee meeting and I'm not quite sure what their viewpoint is on a particular issue, I will often ask that person ahead of time. Like, I want to support you and I want to understand where you're coming from. Can we talk about it ahead of time? Um, and so I don't necessarily know the organization of what's going to happen, but I do know how I can best support a colleague or another committee member. 
you can't always hash that out in a committee meeting. Um, there's so many personalities. There's so many varying levels of vulnerability that you can have. Um, and just frankness that you can have in a committee meeting. Whereas if you're just one-on-one, like, you know, you know that person and you have a trusting relationship with that person, you could say, oh, hey, what do you actually think? So I can support you, right? Correct. And, and I would say that, that the longer I'm at this business, um, He's been at it a 32 long time. years now, <laughs> um, the, the, one of the things that I found is, is that meetings actually start long before the, the set meeting time and end after the set meeting time. And, and by that, I mean, I need to do some prep work for a meeting. What do you, what do, how do you prep? For, for me, if, if I'm the, the staff representative, and pastors are often staff representatives mm-hmm. yeah. to lots of committees, I found it useful to engage with the chair of the committee, the volunteer chair of the committee, sometime before the meeting, to sit down on a regular basis with them, you know, to talk through the meeting or just to be talking about the business of that particular committee or team. And, and so that, so that we can know where each other's coming from, so that we've had a chance to say, oh, we think these are the agenda items, but let's clarify them. So, so that we're focused and, and we're somewhat connected, even if we have different opinions, mm-hmm. we, we've at least had an opportunity to, to talk about that a bit. And you're not discovering that difference of opinion in the midst of a committee meeting, which is not really the greatest Amen. time. <laughs> Amen. Yes. You, that's not when you want to discover What are you that. doing after a committee meeting? Well, and this is where I talk about the committee meeting continues. Mm-hmm. Um, it's been my experience. It's important to follow up with somebody who said something profound or who raised a tough question and maybe got some pushback for that, raising that question in the meeting, but it was the question that really needed to be dealt with. And so it's important for me to get to that person and say, hey, thank you for raising that question. I really appreciate it. Or if I saw someone who's just sitting over on the edge of the table, didn't say anything all night or seemed really distracted, again, this is where the pastoral stuff kicks in. I just need to check in with them. Hey, you seemed kind of distracted last night. Is everything okay? Is there Are there ways that I can be of help? And if there are th- significant pieces that came out of the meeting, how do I address those? Maybe it's making a connection back to the administrator who manages the calendar and saying, hey, please get this date on the calendar. Or maybe it's circling back to the chair and saying, wow, I don't think either of us expected things to go that way. Do we need to talk about this some more? Or just to circle back to the chair and say, what a great meeting you ran. Thank you. I really appreciate that. I think your leadership was really valuable. And here's where I saw that to kind of to encourage those good practices. And that's not being fake, uh, not trying to be ingenuous, ungenuine. That's the right word. That's a disingenuous, way, disingenuous, not trying to be disingenuous, but just trying to say, thank you. I appreciate your efforts. I appreciate what you're doing. Here's how I saw that really helping. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Does that's that make wonderful. sense. Yeah, well, it's so relational. It is. Yeah. It is. And and that's probably, you know, I, th- I think we've been alluding to that all the way through. If we can't be relational in a church, we're never going to have good meetings. Yeah. Um, the You know, if, if we're in a corporation and uh, we're all paid to be there and paid to follow whatever the corporate mission and vision is, that's one thing. Uh, but we're in a church. We're, we're an emotional system. We're, we're part of an emotional system. And that's going to run to a large part on the relationships that we all have with one another. Mm-hmm. And so yeah. if we want to bring good energy to meetings, then we need to be about those relationships all the time. 
mm-hmm. not just when we walk into this is like one of the essences room. of being a Christian is being in relationship with each other. Yeah. Yes. Yes. And 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 another piece I I think to say about meetings in general. They're really an art form. There, there's not a prescribed, okay, if you do X, Y, and Z, you'll have the best church meeting ever. Um, each meeting uh, is going to be different because of the group, because of the congregation that you're serving, because of the context in which that meeting's taking place. And and so uh, to be there as a supportive staff person, even as a leading staff person, is is to is to pay attention to what your guts are telling you, is to uh, pay attention to experience, and I'm going to sound like a broken record, but to continue to listen to the Holy Spirit and ask, where is the Spirit in this? Maybe even raise that question aloud for the group on a regular mm-hmm. basis. Yeah, this, this is like another another means by which to model that way of living in the world. Yes. So now it's time for our read of the week. And um, Bill and I are both fiction readers, and you've heard about that some on the show, although I don't think I've shared any of the fiction that I read yet. And I just this past week finished a novel that I want to share with you because, one, it's a good novel, but because of how I think it resonates with the work that we do pastorally. The novel is Queenie, and it's by Candace Carty-Williams, and I'll have a link to this in the show notes. The first, the, the reason I read it was not because, oh, I think this will be great for me to learn from pastorally. Um, I read it because like it was the third one that I had gone through on my Kindle and was like, ah, finally a good novel. Yes. Okay. I'm interested. Uh, got past the first 50 pages. Like, okay, this is really good. And it's the story of a young woman living in England who it's kind of like the story of the year. It starts out, her life kind of blows up. It gets worse. Yep. gets worse. Yep. Even more worse. And then in the last few months of the year, like her life starts getting put back together. She, she is putting her life back together. And I think for us in um, a church ministry setting, it's interesting and um, I don't know if useful is the right word, but I, I think fiction can be a great way of teaching us imaginatively. And it's the kind of book that teaches us about being alongside someone through a dark place and you can't fix their problems. And I think oftentimes in church, we kind of want to fix people. And we think we can. Church workers tend to be fixers. Yeah. Uh, the reality is that most of us are pretty bad I think bad I had a it. conversation with my husband about this last night. <laughs> like, I, I see this pattern on, in me, and I need to fix my fixing problem. <laughs> <laughs> um, but um, throughout the story, like, you see someone who needs to come to the point where she can be fixing her own problems mm. um, or getting the help that she can. But her friends who are alongside of her are not able to fix those problems. They're able to be alongside her. And I think that for us as church workers, that's something that we have to continually do and not expect that people are even ever going to be fixed because, hey, we're in a church. Church is a hospital. Like, there are not always solutions to people's um, illnesses. Presence is a huge thing. Yeah, it is. It is. The The other interesting thing about this book, depending on, on your background, you, you may or may not find this use, useful. Um, I'm a white person and I grew up in mostly white communities. And this was a book about a young black woman who is dealing with a lot of systemic racism and a mm. lot of personal racism. And so for me, this kind of thing is, I guess, good to read because I don't really deal with that in my personal life. And so I want to be um, exposed to that kind of things. And literature is a really, fiction literature is a really great way to um, be aware of other people's challenges in their lives, challenges that I can't even necessarily see because, um, you know, maybe people won't make racist comments around me because they know I'm going to jump up and, you know, 
bite their head off, uh, but but they might might around other people, right? Mm-hmm. So if your background is pretty similar to mine in that way, this book is good in that regard as well. So Queenie by Candice Carty Williams. I'll leave a note for it in the show notes. Well, have we gotten to the end? We have indeed. Okay. Um, so that means it's, this is it. Yeah. So for this installment of Called, uh, we're glad that you have... Uh, been with us. Yeah. Look for new episodes on the first and third Tuesdays of the month. And as I said, you can find show notes at calledpodcast.com. This is episode nine. Wow. We made it that far. Yeah, right. If you enjoy our conversation, we'd love to hear feedback. Um, We'd also appreciate it if you'd invite other people to listen to the conversation. Do you have colleagues in ministry that might benefit not so much from our wisdom, but just from this kind of conversation. I feel like the question is, is like, so if you forward this episode to your head of staff, are they going to immediately take offense at how they run a meeting? I, I would <laughs> never take offense if somebody <laughs> sent this to me right yeah. So, So maybe not send it to the head of staff. Maybe invite the head of staff to, to listen Listen to, the, listen to episode let's eight. Let's listen to this podcast together and here, let's have a glass of wine or two or a beer or two before we listen to it. So I'm Sarah Bariza. And I'm Bill Smoots. Until next time, cut out the BS and embrace the good.